Welcome everyone to a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host. And today I'm joined as usual by Seth Winchow. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm good. All right. And we have a special guest, David from Tesla Welt, the main German podcast about Tesla. How are you doing, David? I'm fine. Thank you. Perfect. So David um, got an opportunity to go to the uh, Tesla Giga Fest last weekend. So we're going to discuss that with him in a second. But uh, as usual, thanks to our sponsor, Electrify America, for sponsoring this show this week. Electrify America is the largest ultra-fast network of fast charging stations in the U.S. And now we're going to have a little bit more to say about them later on the show. So stay tuned for that. But let's jump in with um, uh, your experience, David, uh, at Giga Fest. Uh, last weekend, that was a uh, Saturday. Last Saturday, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So it's it's sort of kind of the unveiling for uh, Giga Factory Berlin, basically. But it was a, a big party, sort of introducing uh, Tesla to the locals. Is that how you would describe it? Absolutely. I was uh, really surprised. Um, that there were not the usual Tesla crowd, <laughs> the usual, usual mm -hmm. Tesla fans, but it was uh, really for people from the area, and Tesla uh, did a great job to just invite them. I uh, had a yeah, very good impression from the organization. It was uh, There was about 9,000 people because they had a permission only for 9,000 people, and uh, there were well more people who applied, <laughs> but unfortunately not everybody could come. Yeah, so that those were due to the the COVID restrictions, right? So it was uh, yeah, they, they had to limit the the spaces there. So it it looked basically like uh, what we know here as a as a carnival, right? <laughs> I don't know. Where. Yeah, yeah, it it was uh, really a county fair for with activities for families, and uh, it it was really awesome. Everybody was very relaxed. It was a really good, nice atmosphere. People were enjoying themselves, and it was people discovering Tesla. It was really also people who never got in touch with Tesla before. I was at some point uh, in a Model X in the back, and I was just uh, watching the people who went inside, and uh, they're really there for the first time. So yeah, they, they had a bunch of uh, Tesla vehicles there for testing, and a lot of people were for the first time. Uh, test, was was there test drives or test ride? Were, were you allowed to to drive? There was test rides mm -hmm. with the Model Y, um, and cars were just launching like every twenty seconds, I would say. Um, that's a huge queue. Like in the afternoon, you had to wait like seventy minutes to wow. get into the Model Y. So, so people really wanted to try the cars. Yeah, I bet those are popular. And then for the Tesla crowd, for people that are more interested in the, the, the nitty-gritty of the Tesla world, uh, there was a factory tour that was probably the uh, the main event, right? Exactly. That was open for everybody, and I think people really enjoyed it as well. Tesla did a great job because they just opened the doors, and you had like a two-kilometers path next to the production line, so really from the beginning until the end, you could watch and have a look at every thing basically and there were every maybe 50 meters employees from tesla just there to talk to you you could ask them anything you took you could take pictures videos whatever you like i spent like five hours inside it was supposed to be just one and a half hours but uh, i just talked to so many people that i stayed nearly all day inside 
right, anything that um, you found surprising or that picked your interest inside the, in terms of uh, any, any of the technology that they were displaying? I was well surprised by how open they were. Like people wanted to talk, <laughs> they wanted to talk to you, and uh, you could feel how motivated the people were. Like from Tesla, I mean, they uh, were just waiting for this big factory to start production, and they are basically ready. They just wait for the permission, and I have a feeling like they could start nearly immediately. Oh yeah, so so. At the event, Elon also had a little presentation and uh, took questions. And he said that he, he believes that Tesla would be able to start production next uh, month, so in November. But your impression is that uh, they could start right now, but it's uh, limited to the regulatory approval. Is that, is that right? Yeah, I think so. Of course, they are not 100% ready. But it seemed to me like it's a couple of question of weeks like two weeks maybe or something so mm -hmm. the main mainly uh, the permission is missing and um, Elon was talking uh, about different uh, topics as well for example the 4680 cells that was a question um, if they would be in the cars from the beginning um, and he said something interesting he said they would come probably from Tesla China And I didn't really know how to interpret that. I don't know if you have an opinion about about this. Um, well, they, they might be from a supplier. They might not necessarily be from from Tesla. And we know that a lot of suppliers have been working on the on the forty six eighty format. I mean, that that's what was the most encouraging thing uh, to me of the whole presentation and the whole Gigafest is that uh, uh, there was a, a real focus on the structural battery pack and. Uh, And my understanding is that if they use the structural battery pack, they have to use the 4680 cells. It's not like they can uh, make that pack without them. So I see a lot of yeah. uh, uh, die casting stuff here too. You have a lot of uh, pictures about that. And we know that uh, they have some of the biggest casting machines in the world there at, at Berlin. So they were, which part is that? Like, I don't even recognize it. It's a <laughs> giant one. Um, uh, yes, they, they have, uh, this was the stamping press, the pictures that you see mm -hmm. right there. Um, but they have, of course, the, the Giga Press uh, ready as well. There are all in all eight of them. They are not already um, all up and running, but um, there, there will be eight um, all in all. And so, uh, so here we see, so that's the Giga Press produces the, the front casting here, the rear casting, each in one yeah. piece. And then they simply have to put those giant stamping uh, a body part here, the, the B pillar and the C pillar on, on each side. And so, so are we looking at basically four pieces here? That's it? I mean, you, you have the front and the rear. Um, mm. And then uh, they, they um, like there's the battery pack, which is uh, building the structure all in all. And I think that it was the first time that they displayed that actually. Mm -hmm. I don't uh, remember that they had that on display somewhere else before. So that was also something which was really cool. And uh, yeah, you, you got a picture there as well from where they kind of showed uh, a pack with 2170 cells and next to it, the uh, one with the 40. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know if we're, we're coming up to that. We have, we have a lot of pictures here. So I'm yeah. trying to match it with the. 
the one you're talking about. Okay, this so uh, this is a battery pack. Uh, is is that the stretchable one though? I'm not sure. Um, no, it's another picture. Yeah, I think a bit later. Yeah. Well, here we see the, all the different cells that they display here. Yeah. So that's the 4680 that that I would assume 2170. Okay, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I have it written down there. They compared it to a triple A and a double A. Yeah, that's yeah cool. that was really cool as well. I think. All right, so this this is here. This is a close up to the structural pack and the uh, where, where the the um, welded to the that's the rear, right? That's the the rear casting, I think. Yeah, that's the rear casting. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Here you have the whole view here, and, and here you have the whole thing. And I, I think I've never seen this before. So <laughs> this was uh, for me uh, really cool to see this here for the first time, to be so close to it, to be able to talk to the people on the line. Uh, who are explaining how it works, where it's attached, how it's attached. Um, it was just great. It was really, really awesome that you uh, that I had the opportunity with all these people um, to talk to the Tesla employees, which were just ready to go and start Berlin. And I think, um, you know, you have to know something about Germany. Like we Germans, we, we love German cars. <laughs> that's, that's one thing. And... Uh, An American brand which starts in the backyard of our premium uh, automakers, it's it's not that common, and uh, there are a lot of uh, yeah, there's a lot of prejudices as well. Like people think like don't have American brands that don't have the best reputation in Germany, and uh, and on top of it, it's an electric car, so you, you can imagine that there's a lot of skepticism from the people, and I think that was. Um, really well done by Tesla to uh, to be as open as they were and to, to show everything. So obviously Tesla remains a, an American brand at art, but with these cars, like uh, we, we saw some of the pictures you took where Tesla says that 80% of the parts are going to be coming from Europe and that majority of that's going to be from Germany itself. Do you think there's any way that the, the German auto buyers start seeing the Sure, Tesla is an American brand, but the, this Model Y in particular, the, the German-built Model Y as a, as a German car, really. That's the genius of Elon Musk that he put this factory into Germany, which is the biggest auto market in Europe. We uh, have like uh, 3.5 million cars a year which are sold in Germany. Um, that, are, that was before COVID, but... Uh, That's around the number, yeah, something like three to three point five million cars, mm -hmm. and uh, so, so it's a huge market. And Tesla is uh, not well known in this market. Like right now, we have sixty one thousand Teslas in Germany, and it's nothing, you know. And uh, one third of that was sold this year. So you can imagine that uh, Tesla is not not that known, and and you could see that from the people who were there. They were really experiencing that for the first time yeah they, they barely tapped into the market really uh, as of now uh, one interesting thing that i saw from uh, and uh, you can correct me if i'm wrong here or, or expand based on uh, what you learned at the uh, at the event but uh, so with the structural battery pack yeah you have the structural battery pack you have the front casting the rear casting and they also uh, putting right on it the seat um, mount so the idea my understanding the idea is that you could latch on the seat from it and build uh, and build the body around it so you wouldn't have to bring the robots uh to through the body in order to install the seats am i right 
that's how I understood it as well. Yes. Okay. So basically, uh, saving a few steps through the uh, the assembly process or the general assembly line. So, uh, what am I looking at here? That's uh, that's the front of um, basically uh, the, the body, and I think these these uh, things in front of it they are um, to absorb the shock if you have uh, an accident. Yeah, the the crash rails, I think they call it. Um, and and the, these are linked to the battery pack, right? Uh, I think on this side. Um, I'm not sure. No, I think that's that's not the battery pack there. Yeah, but the around the front. It, uh, here you have the two. Yeah, here you. This this was a really cool picture as well. Like you had the two different uh, technologies: the old one and the new mm -hmm. one, or the the old cells and the new cells next to each other. Um, that was also unique for for me. I, I've never seen this before, like this. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, th I think this pack is very, very recent. I mean, on on Electrek, we released the first picture of the uh, uh, the structural pack. I think it was in, in May or something, but it uh, it didn't look like that uh, just yet. So this is definitely a brand new uh, version of it that Tesla is going to build there. Yeah, close up here. You can clearly see the twenty one, uh, the forty six eighty cells, much, much bigger. Yeah. Um, what I thought was interesting as well was uh, Elon was talking about, uh, or there was a question about whether the castings would uh, also go into the plat Model S, for example. And um, he basically said no to this. He said the plat uh, Model S uh, has just the castings for the corner nodes. And uh, that was like this before, and this will stay like this. And um, the front rear casting is in the Model Y, and uh, that's it. <laughs> Didn't yeah, I think I it. think he, he commented on that before. And uh, the issue is this: they did already have deployed like so much uh, investment into the production lines in in, in Fremont about that. So it doesn't make that much sense of a, to reinvest in, uh, even though it would be less capital intensive than doing it the whole way. Uh, it, it's it's just the the benefits are not big enough for uh, the the investment right now. Like people are still gonna buy the Model S plant the way the way it is being built right now. So that's a view from where 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 are you taking that picture from right now on, on this one here? Uh, is it the Ferris wheel. Yes. Oh, okay, you're on the Ferris. That's wheel. on top of the Ferris wheel, and it's just on the other side, um, basically where there's uh, no buildings yet. So. Okay, so this is the the highway next to the factory, and there's yeah. gonna be a train station around here too. I think for the. Oh, that's a great. Yeah, idea. there are going to be a train station. Uh, station. He was talking about this and said uh, it's a bit ironical that uh, we, as a car company, will build a train station and mm -hmm. ask people to come with the train. Um, and but yes, they, there's one which is um, yeah, you can go by bus, but uh, they they want to have one really on site. So so would you uh, be? Uh... Would it be possible for you, like, to live in Berlin and, and go work at Gigafactory, or is that what would that commute be too much of a nightmare? No, no, that that is possible. Possible, I, okay. Yeah, I stayed at a friend's place in, in the center, and I, it took me like yeah, maybe forty minutes to go there. Okay. Oh yeah, that's that's doable. Yeah. 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 Is is it close and, by uh, the new airport? Yeah, it's not too far away from the new airport. Yeah. And uh, and of course, I'm still hoping for a boring company tunnel. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, 
Right now, I think the boring company is focusing on <laughs> on places that the regulatory approval is, is pretty easy. And I'm not sure that Tesla <laughs> had the best experience with the approval for Gigafactory Berlin. I don't know if the boring company wants to get involved in that. They got it done pretty quick, though. Yeah, I'm mean, for for German standards, yeah, for sure. But for uh, yeah, it like, was uh, very quick for German yeah. standards. I mean, it but, took like uh, a decade uh, for that airport to get built. <laughs> and is it done too? Not, is it? I don't even know. The airport is, is done now. Yeah, but okay. it was a nightmare. All right. Yeah. Well, that's that, that's good to know. Well, David, thanks a lot for coming on the show and sharing your experience about the the event. We'll we'll, we'll do it again if you uh, have anything like there's anything German related about Tesla because you're obviously very knowledgeable about that stuff. And obviously, there's going to be more of it now that. Uh, the, the factory is about to, to start production. So thanks a lot for coming on. Yeah. Thanks. Man. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Have a good weekend, man. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Take care. All right. We're going to be moving on from the GigaFest and Giga Berlin story to discuss a lot of other Tesla stuff that we have to discuss this week. Um, what's the next story this week? I forgot. We, we spent almost 20 minutes on that. I forget about what we could talk about next. Oh, yeah, the Cybertruck. Uh, that was interesting. This uh, this happened last night. I, I was tipped about it. So it's not just like a software update. It, it was tipped before it happened. So it's uh, uh, somewhat significant uh, that that uh, Tesla made this change. But uh, they updated the Cybertruck webpage and the pre-order webpage to remove any mention of all the configuration uh, their spec and their price or the, the pricing of those specs uh, of those configurations. So, if you remember, when Tesla first uh, unveiled the Cybertruck in 2019, they unveiled it with a single motor rear-wheel drive version, a dual motor all-wheel drive version, and a tri-motor like a plaid powertrain all-wheel drive version. And they were they were boasting specs of 200 plus 250 plus miles on the base version, 300 plus miles on the uh, mid-tier uh, version and the tri-motor version would get 500 plus miles uh, with prices of 40,000, 50,000 and 70,000. That all that on the on the website stayed the same for the last 2 years basically. No no update whatsoever until today. When again they uh, they went from all those specs, all those information, all those pricing to basically nothing other than uh more information is going to come uh, closer to production in 2022. So we uh, we don't have any more information in that. Oh well, well there is also the, the specs. They they did leave some of the specs on the main page, but just like the top ones. So fourteen thousand pounds of, uh, of of towing capacity, zero sixteen two point nine seconds. And but they did change the uh, five hundred plus miles to up to five hundred miles. So that's uh, probably a notable change here, since uh, it would it would show a limit five hundred miles instead of going over it. But uh, what, what, what this was kind of expected to a degree because, especially after the delay to the the Cybertruck program, uh, Tesla, uh, on unlike most of the automakers, they are pretty good at sticking to their specs announced on the concept vehicle because uh, they they have this idea that the the production vehicle should always be better than a concept, uh, which is not always the case in the industry. Uh, though there's been some exception, of course, especially when it comes to pricing. When you go to pricing, the Model Three, famously the thirty-five thousand dollars version, is uh, uh, not uh, concrete, let's say. But uh, in terms of the specs themselves, they generally deliver. In, in this case, the the vehicle probably evolved during those two years. Then there's also the year of delay that's adding to it. 
but I'm not so sure that the specs are the problem here. The pricing, and we we touched uh, about it last weekend when we discussed the price increase of the Mold Three that now starts starts at forty two thousand dollars, and uh, you have the Cybertruck that starts that supposedly starts at forty thousand dollars. And uh, I know a bunch of publication after they did the forty two thousand dollar price increase, a bunch of publication were like, "Hey, now you can buy a Cybertruck for less than the Mold Three." Of course, you cannot buy a Cybertruck, but like that, that was like the the narrative. So maybe like Tesla like walked back when they saw that people were doing that. They're like, hey, let's not let people think that you can buy a Cybertruck for forty for forty thousand dollars because you probably won't be able to unless something big changes in the last in the next year before this this trucks come to production. It doesn't make sense uh, that uh, I mean Elon did say the shareholder meeting right that uh, they plan to reduce the price of the Model Three uh, once they get the cost under control with those supply chain issues. But um, I don't know if that's going to be true because uh, if they can sell it for forty two thousand dollars, they're going to sell them for forty two thousand dollars. Like it's uh, yeah, it makes it doesn't make sense not to. I don't think they're going to sell the Cybertruck yeah. for forty thousand uh, dollars. Yeah, no, I mean the Model Three. I, I meant, yeah. but uh, yeah, you're you're right. I don't agree with that too. The Cybertruck. And, so if you put down a reservation for a forty thousand dollar Cybertruck, you're not going to get a forty thousand dollar Cybertruck. Like, there's no way that Tesla is going to honor the people who you know the million or so people who already put a hundred dollar reservation down. Is, are they going? I mean, do you think that they're going to honor that, or are they going to? They're going to come hey, up with a Cybertruck standard range plus. Which gonna yeah, cost a little bit more, but like the Model Three is gonna be better value for for that money. Are they gonna have a off the menu uh, <laughs> standard? I mean, that's comes the thing with Model though. Three tires. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't as big of a promise to have a forty thousand dollars Cybertruck as it was for the Model Three. Like the Model Three, they hammered that for years. Right. Like we're gonna have a thirty five thousand dollars car yeah. and everything. That was so, the defining feature. So when they realized that that didn't make much sense, that's when they came up with the whole of them and you think for the for for the standing range and then the oh we're gonna close all the if you you, you want your thirty five thousand dollar model three we're gonna have to close all the stores and then that's when all that thing happened and everything. I don't think that's that big of a deal here. The uh, you, you look at the uh, reservation rate. Most people are reserving the dual motor. Most people are reserving the tri motor. Like the yeah. the forty thousand dollar version is not that popular. So. I don't think that's going to be a problem on that front at all. Uh, but let's keep an eye on the specs too, and and the pricing for the for for the higher end version too. They could could change, so we're going to keep an eye on that over the next year because it just becomes a story with Tesla doing that today. Speaking of that, delivery times we still think late twenty twenty two, and by late I mean December thirty first. Yeah, I mean it was the that, that's what they said. Not the last time, the time before that. Then in the shareholder meeting, Elon was just talking about 2022. Didn't specify late or early or mid or anything like that. But uh, yeah, since the last time, they said, the time before that, they said late. I would like, I would stick with that just not to get too disappointed. <laughs> um, on the Tesla Semi front, uh, there was a news that this week that uh, the first mega charger is being deployed at Gigafactory Nevada. And uh, so that that's good news. That's something we've been waiting for for a long time because uh, the supercharger network is just not equipped to uh, to support the the semi truck or barely even the cyber truck really. And uh, we we've been starting to see some new station being deployed for the uh, supercharger with the mention of like a, a truck stall, so for a bit, for a bigger vehicle like the cyber truck. But this is something different here. This is for the the, the mega charger, so you can see the um, 
well, I don't know if you can call them stalls anymore, but uh, where you park the truck, it's much longer. It can obviously welcome a semi truck, even with a trailer. And you see the uh, uh, the chargers being deployed, the the tower, like similar. They look similar, if not the same as the supercharger one. It's just a lot more of them for what looks like to be one, two, three, four, maybe five uh, actual stalls. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if the actual tower, the connector themselves, the, the tower themselves changes because uh, we, we don't have them here. With These looks like the pedestal for them, but not the actual actual charger. And um, yeah, we, we've been discussing that Tesla has been working on uh, their own uh, over one megawatt high power charging standard with Charin. And uh, so they, they've been trying to... At the very least, have a hand in making the standard for truck charging, electric truck charging, and maybe even have the, the standard. But there was a bunch of other companies that's been competing for it, including Electrify America. And uh, ABB is also another big uh, player in that field. So it's going to be interesting how that play out. And we know that uh, Jérôme Gullien, the former uh, head of uh, heavy trucking at Tesla, did mention that they were working with partners for the mega charger. So uh, it would be interesting to see exactly what ends up happening. But uh, these at Gigafactory Nevada are, are clearly going to be for uh, testing and for Tesla's internal fleet, which uh, should grow soon. We've been reporting that uh, Tesla has been building a low-volume production line for Tesla Semi. Uh, I mean, it's at Gigafactory Nevada. It's a building next to it, but that's in the same park, industrial park. So these these truck now tesla did say that they don't plan to do customer deliveries uh this year it's going to be pushed to next year hopefully but uh they still plan to make some prototypes or pre-production vehicles at that line and uh, we expect them to be used internally for uh, for between gigafactory nevada and fremont where tesla moves a ton of uh, uh powertrains drivetrains and battery packs and mega packs and all that stuff uh, next, we have uh, some more information about the wider release. So it's officially started on Monday. So just a few days, few days late from um, Friday when it was supposed to come. But uh, now the first people with a hundred out of a hundred score on their driver safety um, safety score, they uh, they received the update. So it's uh, nothing exactly uh, groundbreaking and new. Like if we compared to what we've been seeing from uh, the early access program it's really it's really the same update that they're getting than as any as, as anyone else uh it's just in the hands of uh probably twice as many customers now because they said they started with about a thousand and we know that there were two thousand people in their access program but it was apparently mostly um tesla own uh, tesla employees so and now the next update is expected to be next friday so a week from today uh, it's going to be linked with the 10.3 update. So Tesla is, is like linking, the increasing the wider release with improving the software with n- new uh, updates. And uh, But he did say that it's going to be um, people with a 99 um, score out of 100 that's going to get it. And uh, we knew that as of earlier this week, after they did start the wider release to the 100 out of 100, not everyone that had a hundred a perfect score were getting the update. So I assume that over the next week, Tesla does release it to everybody else that have a hundred. Because if you start going down to those with ninety nine, it's not the same. But at the same time, we've been learning this week that having a perfect score doesn't always is not always necessary. 
because uh, there was a Tesla investor by the name of uh, Russ uh, Gerber, I think. Gerber? Gerber? Gerber. Gerber? Okay. Ger- I'm not sure how to pronounce his name correctly. Uh, he's uh, an influential Tesla inf- uh, investor on uh, Twitter, and uh, he, he was complaining on Twitter that uh, he didn't have a good driving score and he was blaming it on uh, driving in LA which uh, can be can be more difficult. I don't know if Seth you had some words about that cuz you've been driving from LA for a long time, you lived there for a long time. And Yeah, so I I get like it's definitely harder to drive in LA, but like he was talking about his score being a 37 which like <laughs> No, but you were you were you were even saying said that uh, you believe that New York is is worse to drive than LA, you said. Oh, I I think it's much harder to drive in. I mean, I I spent a decade in LA. Uh, it's definitely not easy to drive in LA, but compared to New York, I think it's not even close. Yeah. Um, so yeah, well, I so, mean, what, what? But getting a thirty-seven in LA doesn't seem like <laughs> even close to like a good. I mean, we we've drive. been saying that there's definitely issues with the the driving score. It's it's not perfect. So even if he gets a thirty-seven, I'm not saying that he's a, he's a bad driver. But he was complaining about it on Twitter. Didn't say thirty-seven on Twitter. Though he was just complaining about his score. Then the next day. He posts this tweet where he's actually whoop <laughs> he's actually using the um the uh, the FSD and uh, you see here the first thing he does too is he does it and he films himself with uh, his foam in his hand which is a driving relief violation and he's also in a plaid yeah he's in a plaid too which uh, he might be one of the first to get FSD in the plaid really yeah. But uh, then I asked him, like, hey, how did you how did you get? I thought you didn't have a, a good driving score. And then sure, he, he tells me you have 37 out of 100. I knew you had a bad one. I didn't know it was that bad. Uh, well, not even a bad one. Like, n- not having a perfect one would prevent you from getting it. So I asked him, how, how did you get it? And he's like, oh, you just pushed it to me. Uh, so after he, he complained about it on, on Twitter and... Uh, he doesn't know why. Apparently, he tells me that he does. He didn't have any direct communication with Tesla about it, so they just—I assume they just saw his complaint and decided to push it to him. But so I, after I post that, everyone is like, "Oh, Fred, you're complaining because they didn't push it to you, and now they push it. You're being a little jelly and everything." I'm like, I'm in Canada. I'm not expecting to get the update anytime soon. So it's it's not about that at all. And I'm glad that he he, he get it though. I, again, I think it looks bad that he, he claims to be like a super safe driver. And the first thing he does is a driving violation using it. I just think that's funny. But I'm sure he was super excited to get the update. I would I might have done the same and not realize it. So I'm not blaming him on that. But what I think why I think it is it's interesting is like it's it's basically confirmation that the goal of this driving, this safety score that Tesla is doing with the FSD rollout, it's not really about getting it to the safest drivers because the, the score is not working perfectly. And Tesla even doesn't care about it in some cases like, like this one. So it's not it, that's not really the goal. The goal right now, what it seems like to me is that it's to slow down the release. And they just found a way to blame it on the driver, basically, for slowing it down instead of... Because uh, they, they basically run out of excuses to, del- to delay the, the program at this point. Like, they've been delaying it for so long. So they're like, all right, we, we have to push it to more people. They've paid for it and everything. But we want to do it as slow as possible so that we can keep doing these updates, these 10.2, now 10.3 coming, in order to improve it and make it safer and everything. So... They're like, all right, let's let's put an arbitrary score on people 
and release it like that. It's like basically a lottery to to uh, to, to get your FSD beta update. And uh, um, and I, I understand it. Like I understand. Like this, I, I, from what I see from the de- demo that people are, are posting, this is not a technology that's ready to be widely released. Like it's a, it wouldn't pass a driver's test in any like first world country i think right. uh, you would need the, the fsd would need to be able to bribe the, the people giving the test in order to to pass it um so 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 it makes sense they're doing it i just i just don't understand why they need to like tell us a story about it <laughs> so two things uh one is it seems like it's quite easy to get a high score if you live in a rural area with mm-hmm. easy roads so that means that regardless of how good of driver you are uh this is going to be going out to rural rural drivers mm-hmm. first with easy driving conditions so that's that's better than uh sending it to people you know driving around Los Angeles or LaGuardia airport uh two like this is also it's kind of important that this is what Tesla thinks uh its insurance product is going to be grading on and I'm sure it's going to be more complex than just these five it is not right now. So that's the other thing that we learned today. Well, last night, right. Tesla pushed the, the Tesla insurance in Texas with the real-time one, and it's exactly the same thing. It's ex- it's exactly the same. So pile. what would Ross – I mean, I'm sure he could afford it, but what do you think Ross would be paying insurance-wise uh, with the 37 score? <laughs> He'd probably be paying like you know $10,000 per month or something for his – insurance i don't know if we would go that far but it's probably already expensive to insure the the plaid <laughs> to start with right uh, it's not a cheap car so yeah it, it would affect it badly i think yeah it's uh, there's there's a lot of issues around the this safety scar being used for um for this and because, also like if you drive safe it's not fun yeah like that's probably the biggest thing especially like, in this either, car like uh, right. uh, like if uh, Maybe I would have a 37 if you I was driving a Plaid right now because I, I would be trying to have some fun with it in the safest way that I can. But like it's a performance car, aggressive turning, which Turns. is which which g- docks you some point is one of the fun thing. Uh, like braking, uh, like strong braking. I mean that that's you should always avoid even if like a, a performance unless you're you're really like on on some like open road and you're you're trying to have some fun, but. It's 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 getting in dangerous part, but like taking it like an off an on ramp like fast when there's not a lot of traffic and everything like that that's like <laughs> that's why you buy those cars. I don't so I don't think those people that buy the plaid it's gonna be a popular car to have under your Tesla insurance program probably. This episode of the Electric Podcast is brought to you by Electrify America. Electrify America now operates the largest coast-to-coast ultra-fast charging network with more than 650 charging stations, and it's growing. It currently has plans underway for around 800 total charging stations with more than 3,500 chargers to be completed by December of this year. And it plans to have more than 1,800 ultra-fast charging stations and 10,000 individual chargers installed by the end of 2025. That includes 50 kilowatt stations all the way up to 350 kilowatt chargers near highways and 50 to 150 kilowatt chargers in metropolitan areas. The newly launched Electrify America mobile apps now offer contactless payment along with CarPlay and Android Auto integration, and you can save up to 25% on charging with the new Pass Plus subscription plans. If you're an EV driver and want to learn more about Electrify America and its growing network of charging stations, find out what they're up to at electrifyamerica.com. That's electrifyamerica.com or hit up the link in the show notes. 
Thanks again to Electrify America for sponsoring this week's show. Yes, thanks, EA. If you guys have any questions for us, we have a few more news items to discuss, and then we're going to jump into the comment section. If you have a specific topic you want us to discuss or an actual question to answer, please put them in all caps so that we can differentiate them versus the just a regular conversation in the chat right now. Thank you very much. Tesla seems to be releasing a new series of videos that they're doing right now about some of their technology. So we know that Tesla is not big on advertising or anything like that, but they are. They have a marketing department and they do release some marketing material and every now and again. And uh, last month, they released this Tesla glass look that we got, that we discussed, um, which was like a specific look at their, their glass lab and how they're developing new type of glass and uh, they are making the car quieter with that. Uh, now this month they're releasing one about the new uh, crash technology that they have, a crash safety technology. So um, it, 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 to me, it looks like a new series that Tesla is doing. I would expect more of those coming. But uh, it was interesting. So uh, they, they say that um, Tesla is moving away from from designing the their, their crash safety around around all the different crash tests that exist in the industry and everything. And instead, they are using real-world crash data that they are collecting from their fleet because, of course, Tesla's over a million cars on the road and they are adding like a quarter of a million of them a quarter now. So they have a lot of data because some of those vehicles are going to crash, uh, whether you like it or not, unfortunately. And um, you can use the telemetry data because Tesla has a ton of telemetry data under the vehicle from each of those crash and try to basically build a library of, of, of different type of crashes uh, because the the point that uh, Enders Bell in the in the video uh, one of Tesla's uh, director of engineering made is that all the crashes are unique basically they are they have some similarity and everything but the crash tests are built around a few a handful of specific crashes that are normally uh, would assume they go with the deadliest one of course you want to try to uh, uh, avoid those, not, not avoid those, but uh, well, you, you want to try to avoid them. But you, if they do happen, you want to be prepared for them. Um, but a bunch of different crashes can happen, and they are building a library of them. And now the car can, uh, they are trying, they are working so that the car detects based on the telemetry data within 10 milliseconds of uh, the crash happening what type of crash it is. And what, uh, how they should react, how the safety system should react, which mainly the the hairbags, because sometimes you don't want the hairbags to deploy in a specific crash because they can, it can be more harmful than it is beneficial to to the occupants in the car. So that's what they are doing right now. And uh, they did they posted this video on what is basically their first uh, real world test of it, and uh, they claimed that it was a very successful test. So that's uh, that, that's that's good on Tesla. They uh, they had basically a pickup truck crash into the side of a model y and uh, then deployed the airbags uh, in reaction to the specific crash that hit the driver's side on the right around the front wheel they, they said it's a world first which i was kind of surprised i thought that with this with technology this kind of technology would already exist yeah, but uh, apparently not so i'm glad that tesla is working on it it's kind of it's it's one of those things and when they tell you about it you're like oh like that that should always been existed. That's uh, crazy that no one has thought about it before. I mean, of course, Tesla has the advantage of having a highly connected fleet and everything. Um, there was an update to the Tesla mobile app this week that included a new widget for iOS. So now you get um, 
you get these uh, these bigger widget here that you can have on your on your phone, uh, and you can uh, swipe to get your different car. A uh, long press. Oh, it's not connected to my car right now. Nope, oh, it changed my car. I want my Model Three, not my Model S. I'm gonna spy on my parents right now while driving my Model S. See what what they're doing. Um, all right, it's not updating. That's a that's not ideal, but. Uh, you get the bigger IO uh, widgets. You know, you know what it looks like. Uh, there was a few updates to the Powerwall too, so that uh, the Powerwall can now uh, support and maintain the utility rate plans uh, based on season, on multiple peak periods, and buy and sell energy prices. And uh, time-based control mode supports the update um, the updated rate plans to more accurately use energy for Powerwall when power is ex- expensive and charge from other sources when the power is at its cheapest so two little power wall update there but what's interesting too is that tesla um, might have not been tesla scope that found it but uh, yeah uh someone going by kuterin on uh on twitter found that uh, tesla has a bunch of new assets regarding live view of your autopilot cameras from the app so basically giving you access to a live feed from your car directly from the app and Tesla scope here they posted what the UI is going to look like of course you cannot enable it right now but it looks like Tesla is making a lot of progress towards it and they would just need to uh turn it on at one point but it would be coming sometime soon we know that green green the only they did say that Tesla was working on it for a while now so what would happen is you would get an alert that like you know uh Tesla sentry mode event happened and you could go on your phone and actually stream uh, the video from one of the uh, cameras or more than one of the cameras to see what's going on with your car yeah. in real time. Much less like your home security cameras these days. They give you an alert right. or cars detected around it. And then you can click on it directly and watch what's happening. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. And I would assume that the next thing, too, if not at the same time, you're going to get like a, uh, an event tracking of your uh, sentry mode event from the app so instead of going to the live viewer inside your car you can just remote view it and maybe even delete it directly from the app uh, if it's uh, not something that you want to keep which is most of the time that's what's happening here um jb straubel of uh, tesla cto fame and co-founder fame he um he was on the this week's in startup podcast the podcast uh, by uh, Jason, Jason, Calcanis, uh, Calcanis, I'm always issue with his last name, uh, but he's a VC and uh, he, he runs uh, this podcast uh, called uh, This Week's in Startups. And uh, this week's startups was uh, Redwood Materials, uh, JB's new company. And uh, he did the, it was an interesting podcast about uh, an hour long interview where he discussed his early days at Tesla and uh, how he was uh, surprised by the reaction of the industry that uh, <laughs> he said uh, that he thought that the Model S, that as soon as the Model S was a big success, which it was early on with uh, with the reviewers and the owners, but maybe it took some time to become a commercial success. But uh, he, he thought that uh, as soon as it would happen, the industry would just copy the Model S and release equivalent vehicles and everything. But uh, he said it didn't happen. And I would agree with him. It didn't happen until... Probably like now, like now you have cars that would would give people some thought. Like if I'm looking for a luxury four door sedan, 
maybe maybe I don't have only the Model S as an option. Maybe I have the Lucid Air. Maybe I have the S, the EQS. Maybe I have a few options there. But uh, he was he said he was surprised by that. Uh, but the other interesting comment that he made, I think, is he, he sort of issued a warning to uh, all the legacy automakers that are talking about switching their production capacity to electric vehicles. Something we've been advocating for for years, basically, for since the beginning of electric, we've been saying change your production capacity from internal combustion engine to electric vehicles. And uh, he noted that he's been glad to see all the recent announcement from company like GM saying that they're going to go all electric by two thirty five. Company like Mercedes saying they're going to be all electric by uh, 2030. Uh, Volvo, Volvo is 2032, I think. Like uh, it's it's all we, we've seen all these announcements. They have been coming like crazy in the last uh, in the last year. Uh, and he says that's great, but he, he believes that they haven't done the math. So what he says, like so many OEMs, countries, factories, and customers are leaping into EVs and making huge announcement about going full electric this decade or next. But I don't think that they have done the math fully when it comes to what it entails in the supply chain and tracing all the way back to the mines. So he uh, he warned that the, it's like something that we we expected for a while now. But it was interesting to see JB uh, um, JB uh, just talk about it more specifically. He said it won't be necessarily a battery shortage. He said it's it's going to ripple to the entire supply chain. So it's. Everything that has to do with nickel, uh, cathode, separator, like everything that's related to that is going to go to shortages and it's going to affect other industries too. So there's going to be a fight over those uh, those supplies. And uh, he, he believes that like an automaker that say, oh, we're going to be ready to go all electric by 2030. Uh, and he, he says, if that's the case, like you need to put a lot more work into the supply chain because uh, it's gonna it, if everybody else is doing it too, it's gonna be difficult. And I, I, we know that some people have been doing that, like they've been securing billions of dollars of battery contracts and everything. But it's it's hasn't it hasn't been clear if those contracts themselves are backed by a supply contract all the way down to the mines, like JB says. Uh, and uh, he, like uh, like Elon in the last year or two has, has had concern about nickel. Uh, that that seemed to be JB's main concern too. His point was that uh, uh, lithium, there's a, there's a lot of it on Earth. There's a lot of nickel too on Earth, but he, he says the difference is that uh, lithium hasn't been as searched for on Earth so far. So there's there's still a lot of potential for finding other big reserve and exploiting them. Um, and we we know that we know that nickel uh, lithium is, is is pretty prevalent around the world. Uh, it's just about finding reserves of them that are more easily exploitable than, than others in order to keep the cost down because um, that's we need to do that in order to keep an electric vehicle affordable. But uh, nickel, his point is that nickel has been around for a long time and people have been exploiting it for a long time, that it's been searched for for a long time. So all the, the best reserves, if you will, have already been exploited or already are being exploited. So uh, finding new ones, which is... Completely likely, but uh, it, it they, they might get more expensive uh, as we already go for the low hanging fruit first. That's a good point. Uh, something to keep a, an eye out. And I, I've been I've been uh, doing a lot of research in nickel over the last two three years, especially on that because I think it's a good investment opportunity. Uh, then I don't have it here, but uh, let me find it. Volkswagen uh, released their delivery numbers for the year so far up until the third quarter. 
and it's looking good. They're up 138% a year. And we sort of did a little comparison with uh, with Tesla to see like how, because Tesla is obviously the leader in uh, BEV deliveries around the world. But Volkswagen is catching up, and it looks like they're basically around a year behind, right? Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at uh, both Tesla and, and VW basically doubling year over year, uh, Volkswagen is this year where Tesla were, was last year. So they're they're at about a half million a year run rate, which were you know Tesla hit about a half million last year. They expect to do a million this year if they get some cars out of uh, Berlin and maybe Texas. Um, of course, we're talking but, about the you know, Volkswagen okay. Group here too. So we're talking about VW, yeah, group, so Audi, Audi, Porsche. Porsche. So this is this is something to to know. And I know you wrote about Porsche this morning. Uh, the Taycan is, has now surpassed the 911 in, in sell so far this year, right? Yeah, that, and I think that's pretty notable because that's kind of Porsche's iconic car, even though the SUVs, I think they sell quite a bit more in numbers, especially in China. But, you know, it's it's notable. And, you know, there's a Macan coming uh, that'll probably, you know, kind of finish the job on ICE with Porsche over the next few years. Anyway, uh you know, what's kind of interesting about VW is um, they also have a plug-in hybrid um, business, you know, throughout their company. It's falling, right? It's falling, but um, if you count them this year, um, that's another half million vehicles they mm-hmm. sold. So if you're talking about vehicles with plugs, uh, Volkswagen's about on par with Tesla. They're, they're about at a million um, plugged cars this year, or they will be. At, that's kind of their entity. It's the run rate at this point, that, right? That, that that they're at, yeah. Uh, in terms of um, of Porsche and maybe Volkswagen in general, I, I would I would think that they might be doing some uh, like the chip shortage. They might be focusing some of their supply to their electric vehicles in order to keep that going. Uh, versus, uh, so with the nine eleven, is the nine eleven up this year? It is actually it? up a little. Oh yeah, bit. it is. Well, yeah. I mean, it is compared to last year, right? Uh, which uh, is not a great comparison either, but uh, since it was the, the well, the pandemic year, <laughs> yeah, we can say that this year was also the pandemic year. But the Panamera was the only one that was kind of flat or down. Um, I think they did; they're doing well. And th- oh, the Boxer and the Cayman are also, I think, pretty mediocre sales. But the Cayenne and the um, the Macan were up as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, overall, I think they're up 13%, so that's pretty good. You know, obviously, the Taycan helps by doubling. Yeah, that, that's kind of like the theme at, at Volkswagen is electric vehicles are doubling year over year. Yeah, and if if Porsche didn't have the Taycan this year, they would be down, right? Yeah. They would be down and sell, so that's the, they, they're really like saving their growth right now. So if you want growth in the elect in the auto industry right now, you need to have electric vehicles. You just, yeah, you just and, and it's kind of ironic, or I don't know if that's the right word, but um, Dieselgate is really kind of uh, turned out to be a blessing in disguise for Volkswagen mm-hmm. because it you know got them to go electric a lot quicker than they would have on their own, you know, without all these penalties and embarrassment. You know, they did a lot of like I don't want to say greenwashing, but but they definitely. It, it it incentivized them to make the switch sooner to, right. to to just to press the button sooner than the other automakers because they had 
more greenwashing to do. Right. <laughs> and and even if you want to call it greenwashing, I mean, it's still washing. <laughs> still, you, like it, it, even if you want to hide the bad that you did before, like it's still some good. Like it, 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 so, I don't know. And, and and also like literally one of their punishment was to create electric America, which right. it's kind of a joke at this point. Like they, they literally forced them to create the the biggest fast charging network in the in the U.S. public fast charging network in the U.S. Right, and and which is keeping everybody kind of going like the other yeah, which has which has become like the standard for for a lot of uh, basically every other non Tesla automaker out there that that's become what they rely on in the US, like Ionity in Europe, uh, uh, Farmica has become that for the US. So <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you, you could say that the diesel gate is probably what m- might have saved Volkswagen, really. Right. In the long run. All right, sh- should we jump into the comments? Sure. Uh, Adam Orta says, hi guys, are Tesla 4680s supposed to be the next evolution to solid state or is Tesla focusing on just 4680s? Solid state Cybertruck would be gnarly. So the forty six eighty chemistry, I don't, I don't think you can consider that solid state. So uh, at least the the ones that they reveal, so they reveal a few of them, and they, you you might be able to get the format that format into solid state uh, later on, but I don't think that's in the plans right now. All right, uh, some bikers. Uh, X asks, will the forty six 80 model Y cars have longer range. Hmm. Uh, that that's uh, an option that Tesla has. It's at least an, an option. I, I I don't necessarily know that they're gonna do it. Like Elon has been clear right now that he, he thinks that the range itself has been solved. Like he's he's happy with the 300 miles range for the mid level vehicles and then the 400 miles range for the higher hand levels vehicles. So what the 4680 cells does, it's improved the efficiency. So with an improved efficiency, you can achieve longer range if you use the same energy capacity uh in, in the car you can you you, you can have uh you can scram in more energy capacity in the car and achieve longer range or you can just use the same energy capacity but with a low uh a lower weight a smaller form factor and uh, then uh, achieve a higher efficiency with the same range so it's an option that this has i think they're going to take the latter the latter option though all right, uh, Midi Jams Tech Reviews asks any guesses on the final cost of the Cybertruck, um, and I, I, I'm assuming we're talking base price here. Um, do you do you think that we talked a little bit about this? Do you think that uh, I think they're gonna try to reach the? I think they're going for 45 the F150. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, so for the consumer version, like about 40, 45. So I, I think it would make sense for Tesla to have like a similar entry level. And then I have a mid-level, maybe at fifty-five. But they're not gonna—they're not gonna put out their. I mean, Tesla. Everybody really at this point starts out with their building their high-end version, and then yeah, kind of yeah, works yeah. their way down. So the base price model one, it probably isn't going to come out to like twenty twenty-four, twenty twenty-five at least. Um. So. So you mean you, you mean the this when you said starting price, you mean the the, the price of the first truck that they're gonna sell? No. Well. Yeah, I guess that's a good a good. Uh, I mean, they're probably going to sell the tri motor first, right? Or the yeah, uh, I think the base price, I guess, the forty five would make sense. I think for the dual motor or the tri motor version, I think fifty five seventy five would be uh, more likely. 
going forward here. Uh, are there any requirements when looking to purchase an older house when you are planning to get home batteries and electric vehicle? Uh, you want to make sure you have a big um, uh, incoming wire enough to carry 200 amps uh, because you know the, the car itself is going to take 50 amps, not just one car. Um, obviously, the wiring to the garage uh, has to be thick enough so it can carry it uh, 240, uh, 50 amp. Um, yeah, and, you know, the batteries, you got to have, like, a good good area to put them in. Um, they're not very loud, but um, they, you know, probably if you live in the, the colder parts of the U.S. or wherever, uh, you probably want to have those inside. Yeah. I'm doing, I'm actually going through that right now because um, they just bought a new house and we are renovating it in the Uh, I just talked yesterday with uh, the battery of the power wall installer. I'm getting a power wall installed there. And he's going to do on, on the same time my uh, uh, vehicle charger. And uh, yeah, right now what what he's asking me for is like, show me your uh, electrical panel and show me the distance between that and where you want your charger when you want your, your power wall in, in your garage because I'm going to install it in the garage. And uh, yeah, that's the main thing. And then they want to know the total capacity that it can handle. Uh, which is all something I'll have to do tomorrow when I get there. <laughs> all right. Uh, Seattle Vienna says, besides VW and GM, are any legacy car companies taking the EV revolution seriously? Um, I don't know if I would even put GM in that category. They're mm. certainly, uh, the press part department is taking it seriously. Mm. Um, I don't know if their C-suite is fully on board. Yeah, the, the seriously part is for us, it's really like, what's your planned production capacity? like? in the relatively short term because we think that by 2025 there's going to be this massive shift that's going to make basically most people that have half a brain are not going to want to buy anything else than uh, an electric vehicle for new cars buyer new car buyers if you're not a new car buyer like don't worry about it that's that's an, an, a secondary market that's completely different it's a completely different beast but for new car buyers it, it's going to be a big deal and uh Right now, you look at like GM. They haven't released much like volume production, right? They haven't seen much volume numbers for them. Like they they have like the numbers of EVs, the models that they want, but they never release volume, right? Um, but Ford, Ford has, and we haven't been too impressed by them, uh, especially the F one fifty, like eighty thousand units in twenty twenty four. Yeah, they're already sold out to mid twenty twenty five or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, other than Volkswagen, there's a. I would need to see some actual like good production plan numbers, but they, they don't. They are not really forthcoming with that. Mercedes has kind of uh, been slow out of the gate, but this year at uh, EIA, they seem to have a lot of uh, stuff going on. So they had a lot of models, but uh, they, for me to be really serious about it, like how many are, are you planning to build of those models? Like, yeah. Like the the EQE could be a good seller for them. Are they planning to build a hundred thousand a year or thirty thousand a year? Yeah, and I thought it was strange that the EQS came out before the EQE. I think that was a weird you know, make make that one the, the the flagship. All right, uh, moving on. If Rivian and Tesla Cybertruck are at price parity, what do you think will happen? I think they both will have a great market to play in here because. Like a lot of people don't like the Cybertruck for 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 design reasons and 
the Rivian is a much more palatable for existing truck buyers. Like if you're already a truck buyer, a move to to the Rivian seems a lot easier than a move to the Cybertruck. But there's also uh, some like I think the Cybertruck's bed is supposedly going to be bigger than the Rivian's bed, so that's that's a big deal for a lot of people too. So, um, I mean, I, I think that electric pickup trucks are going to sell like crazy. I don't, I don't like I, I think there's not going to be a big competition between Tesla Cybertruck and Rivian. I think. Yeah, and and frankly, like I think every cyber or every pickup truck, electric pickup truck that can be made before 2025 mm. will be sold. Mm. Like, I, yeah. I don't think that there's going to... And be- after 2025, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, I mean, yeah. at least until then. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, because you're saying that because of the likely limited uh, production uh, capacity yeah. until, I mean, until, that's until then. Yeah. Ford and Chevy yeah. and, uh, you know, <laughs> Dodge, uh, they're making, you know, almost no vehicles until 2025, very few. Um, Rivian's going to make as many as they can. Tesla's going to make as many as they can, but I just don't see the demand uh, being met by you know by a long shot. Yeah, I think I think that there's a lot of people are going to like switch around with a bunch of different of them too because the resale value is going to be great on those because it's going to be so hard to get new ones. They're going to be sold out such ahead of time that you're going to see people buy a Rivian and then sell it on the used market and buy a Cybertruck to test it out. And then, uh, oh, uh, this the F-150 Lightning, uh, maybe I'll go with that. <laughs> it's going to be it's gonna be wild in the Cybertruck world, for um, not Cybertruck world, an electric pickup truck world for a while. I can guarantee it. All right. Um, do you think Mazda will survive? If so, how? <laughs> yeah, the, the, so my answer is no, so I don't have to explain the how. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Mazda. What what could maybe save them right now is if in the last year or two they've been, which I don't think they have, but if they've been like secretly working on like a um, electric Mazda Miata, and then they release that. And right now, like, there's nothing on the market in terms of like a not too expensive Roadster electric. So if they if they do something like that, I think I think that could like give them enough breeding room to to roll out other things later on because i think there's just so late to market with evs right now that uh, i don't give them a lot of chance to survive unfortunately do you agree set yeah I, I mean somebody somebody could buy the brand uh you know vw or uh i don't know toyota toyota yeah toyota already has uh, a small part in it i think but right yeah I mean, I, you can ask me the same question about Toyota, and right. I, I know like every other, like every serious non-blogger car journalist, I'd be, or you, you're completely crazy to say that. But I don't. I at this point in time, unless I see a giant shift in the next like twelve months, I don't think Toyota's going to survive the decade. And you can already see them panicking, like they're doing all this government stuff. They're trying to yeah. like uh, tell the government that. You know, if everything moves to EVs, you know, people will lose their jobs and, you know, all this stuff will happen. Like, that's that to me is desperation. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's it for this episode of the Chick Podcast, everyone. I appreciate you if you're still listening at this point. If you do like the show, you can give us a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, on uh, whatever live streaming service you use. If you're listening right now uh, on your podcast app, if you can give us a five-star review, that's uh, that helps the show a lot, too. So we appreciate it. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's uh, pretty much it for this week. So uh, we'll see you next week. Have a safe weekend. Goodbye.